you are listening to the World of Games Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be in this big blue marble we call Planet Earth. How's it going, everybody? Big episode today with those two girls who tried to jack that Pakistani Uber Eats driver. There's a resolution to their case, a disposition to their case, I should say. Get into that as well as uh, a strange incident about a woman and her child, a two-year-old child, that wasn't wearing a mask, and uh, it became an issue with, with Spirit Airlines, and we'll get into that as well, and some other stuff. So stay tuned, and I'll be right back right after this. All right, guys, I wanted to do this update on those two young girls. I believe the ages were 13 and 15, and they try to carjack the Pakistani gentleman, 66, in Washington, D.C. So I seen the update on TV, and I was just shocked that these girls had plea bargained. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly read through this Daily Mail article on the update with these two girls. It's just remarkable what they were sentenced or what the plea deal gave them. So let's get right to this. This is, from, like again, from the Daily Mail and... Starts off, uh, two girls age 13 and 15 who were charged with the murder and carjacking of a Pakistani immigrant killed last month while working at his job delivering food in Washington, D.C. have reportedly reached a plea deal with prosecutors. Mohammed Anwar, 66, died when police said the girls, armed with a taser, sped off in his car as he clung to the driver's side with the door open and crashed seconds later just outside the ballpark of the Washington Nationals. On Monday, the teens reportedly reached the plea deal with prosecutors that would ensure they will not be held past the age of 21, nor be placed in a prison facility. Jesus. Last week, the teens appeared via video in D.C. Superior Court as their lawyer and prosecutor, Bonnie Lidman, discussed the case with Judge Lynn Leibowitz. 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 Okay. According to the Washington Post, Liedemann gave no indication that her office would try to transfer the older teen's case to adult court under D.C. law. The 13-year-old could not be prosecuted as an adult due to her age. The judge set the next court date for April 20th to discuss the status of the case. Now, what's interesting to me about this, I thought that in certain circumstances like this, now I'm not an attorney, so I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought, like, when they do some sort of violent, heinous crime... Now, this is in California. At least, I, I think it's still in California. It could be probably erased because of this liberal agenda we got going on here. But I thought that usually when you commit a crime like this, if you're a juvenile, that you would be held in prison until at least 25. That's what I thought. Uh, again, I could be wrong. The judge set the next court date for April 20th to discuss the status of the case. A video of the incident shows the encounter unfolding in a minute and a half, ending with Anwar's Honda Accord on side, the girls climbing out and fatally injured 
Anwar sprawled on motionless on the sidewalk. One thing I noticed in this article, they're not talking about how the girls, after they hopped out of the car, just kind of turned back around and yelled out loud, where's my phone? I need to get my phone. You know, I mean, what kind of, <laughs> right then and there, you, you need to stay locked up. You don't need to be out at 21. You, you need some time. You, you need to be educated. I mean, I don't know where these people are being raised, but this is just incredible how these young people are just worried about a stupid phone rather than a guy they just killed. It's just incredible. Police have not identified the juvenile suspects, one of whom is from the D.C. and the other is from neighboring Fort Washington, Maryland. Anwar, who lived in suburban Springfield, Virginia, was at his delivery job for Uber Eats when he was killed. The 90-second clip begins with Anwar struggling to regain control of his car after the two girls made their way inside, uh, yelling, They're thieves! He is heard saying as he attempts to pull the, the girl out of the driver seat of the parked car. This is my car! The teen suddenly accelerates, sending the car speeding down the 1200 block of Van Street Southeast with Anwar still cleaning, to, or cleaning on the, side of, of the driver's side door. At one point, the car is seen smashing into a metal fence from its left side, crushing the delivery driver between the barrier and the car door. Yeah, it's horrible. That's, I'm not going to go into details about that, but it's just a horrible video if you haven't seen it. I wouldn't even recommend you guys seeing it. It's, just, it's heartbreaking. It's crazy. As the car continues to speed off into the distance, a screeching sound is heard, followed by a loud crash. The bystander filming the incident runs over to the side of the crash to find the car rolled over and the two girls climbing out of the wreckage. You know, here's the funny thing about that. Why was the guy just sitting there with a stupid cell phone in his hand letting this unfold? What, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like he's part of this. He's complicit in this act if he's not doing anything about it. I, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I, it just seems like I would just put my phone in my pocket and I would just grab one of those girls and yank them out of the car. I, I just That's just me, though, you know. Anwar's party can be seen lying motionless on the corner of the sidewalk as witnesses scramble to get help. Two National Guardsmen who were in the area removed the juvenile suspects from the overturned car and detained them until police responded to the scene and arrested them. Uh, he was, uh, Anwar was eventually rushed to the hospital, but could not be saved. He was ejected onto the sidewalk and sustained fatal injuries, including head trauma and broken bones. And it has a, he does have a GoFundMe page, I guess, for his, his family. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't quite say exactly what it is. Uh, the Go, let's see, the GoFundMe campaign launched on behalf of his family had raised more than $1 million to cover costs of a funeral and to provide for his survivors. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, good-hearted people. Congratulations to you guys, man. You guys deserve it. God bless you. I mean, those people really could use it. Anwar was a beloved husband, father, grandfather, uncle, and friend who always provided a smile when you needed one, the family said. Words cannot describe how our family is feeling currently. Devastation and confusion, shock, anger, heartache, and anguish are just a few that come to mind. Yeah, seriously, though, uh, I, I feel these, I know they're 13 and 15, I get it, but you know, you're, I just don't understand why 13 and 15 year olds are doing these kind of things. Were they kind of pushed to do it? Were they influenced by, you know, their boyfriends or something like that? Bad actors. What is it? I, I just don't understand. 
And again, I'll say, where are the parents? Where are the guardians? Where are these, you know, people that that are supposed to correctly raise them? It's just, it's sad. It's sad all around, you know. I think they just need to be locked up for a while. Breaking news from the land of lunacy, known as America. Here's a, here's a prize-winning one. And this is coming out of the Orlando Sentinel. Family kicked off a Spirit Airlines flight from Orlando after two-year-old doesn't wear a mask. I've seen this on Fox. It's crazy, man. I, I believe the kids got special needs. Let me read this. A family was asked to leave a Spirit Airlines flight before takeoff from Orlando International Airport to Atlantic City, New Jersey, after their two-year-old child didn't have a mask on while eating, according to the videos of the confrontation. The videos, which started making the rounds on social media Monday afternoon, showed the young girl on her mother's lap eating when a flight attendant relaying a message from the pilot said the the girl had to have a mask on. The mother told the flight attendant the girl had just turned two. Much like other airlines, Spirit requires the passengers to and older wear masks except while eating, which the girl is doing. Quoting, if you're not compliant, you will have to get off, a flight attendant told the family as the father, who was seen on the video taking his own mask on and off, asked for an explanation and threatened to call his lawyer. Orlando police also responded to the scene shortly before noon. Seven months pregnant with special needs kids on a flight trying to get this mask on, but she's refusing to keep it on. But we are all getting kicked off, the mother said in one of the videos. All the passengers had to deplane and then reboard the plane with a new flight attendant crew, according to the video. There was applause after the announcement about the crew change was made over the PA system. The father posted a video after getting back on the plane. Quoting, happy ending, he said, we're back on. A spokesperson for the Orlando Police Department said its officers stood by while Spirit Airlines resolved the issue. Spirit Airlines did not return a message for comment. The flight was delayed by over two hours, according to Flight Aware. Spirit also was involved in a controversy last month when a four-year-old boy with autism was removed from the plane for not wearing a mask. And it does have a video, and it's a Twitter. Looks like it's from the guy's Twitter. And I'm going to give him a shout-out because it's an interesting video. I know you can't see or probably won't be able to hear it too well. But what it does show, this I'm going to give him a shout-out, is it goes by at Mr. T-Dog, and that's with two Gs at the end, M-R-T-D-O-G-G. And... Uh, yeah, you can check that out. It's pretty interesting. And now the webpage I was just looking at just locked me out for a free subscription. Oh, there it goes. Pretty interesting stuff. And it just shows, and again, here, let me, let me click on this, see if I can get this up. And there they go. Can I turn this up? What do we do? Yeah, and sorry about the echo. I'm I'm trying to pipe it in through the microphone, but it does show another woman, and she's looks like she's across the aisle from the couple, and she's sitting there saying, "Hey, I got no problem with it." She seems to be kind of all cool about it, 
I'm not going to continue with the video. I got to learn how to pipe it in much better so you guys can hear it much better. But anyhow, yeah, it, it's a very fun. It's it, it's a it's pretty sad, but I mean, just to think that they would deplane a whole group of people for two hours over this shit is just absolutely ridiculous. Spirit on Spirit Airlines, shame on you. I don't fly that much, but I, I'm tired of hearing crap coming from these socially political. I mean, what what is it now? Delta Delta's into in the political scheme of things you know with that whole mlb that's a whole nother issue right there but this is the second time spirit airlines has had to deal <laughs> with uh i guess mask issues or something and i guess they just don't know how to handle it correctly or something but why the hell how why would the pilot even trip like that i, I don't understand how is that a safety issue for him i mean he's in the front cabin you know what i mean he's not in the aisle i i, I just don't get it but it's just ridiculous. Spirit Airlines, meh. I mean, I heard you guys got some pretty good rates. But, again, I don't fly too much, so I can care less. Uh, there you go. If you want to check it out, it's at the Orlando Orlando, excuse me, Sentinel. If you want to waste some time and <laughs> check out that video. Just, again, look for that guy on uh, Twitter. At Mr. T-Dog with two Gs. Looks like his first name is Tony. And you'll see it. It's out there. It's circulating. Hey guys, take a moment and visit my homepage. Click on the support button and drop your boy a couple extra cents and let me know that you care. I really would appreciate it. And now back to the nonsense. Alright guys, I was going to leave it at the last segment and then end the episode, but a story jumped right out at me on Fox and it was, I believe it was the Faulkner Focus, I think that's what it's called. And uh, she had... A guy by the name of Jason Rance, and if you don't know who he is, he's a guy that usually pops up on a lot of these news segments with, like, Tucker and obviously with Harris Faulkner and stuff. And he usually corresponds and talks about all the the craziness that's happening in the Northwest region. And this morning was no different. In fact, it was absolutely disgusting. It was shocking to me. I was absolutely compelled to tell the story to you, so I'm going to read it to you. Uh, this is by Jason Rance. And it's from the website, MyNorthwest.com. And anyhow, he goes on, the title is, Rants, School Board Members Demanded Seattle Not Sweep Homeless Encampments from School. Did you get that? I'll repeat it for you again. School Board Members Demanded Seattle, the city of Seattle, not sweep homeless encampments from schools. Unbelievable, right? But here it is. Members of the Seattle School Board demanded the mayor's office not sweep dangerous and growing homeless encampments on two school properties. In emails obtained by the Jason Rance Show on KTTH, Seattle School Board President Chandra Hampson and Director Zachary DeWolf stopped, tried to stop Mayor Jenny Durkham's office from sweeping encampments near Meany Middle School on Capitol Hill and to Broadview Thompson K-8 in Bitter Lake. Hampson demanded sweeps never 
occur in the city, including on school grounds. DeWolf empathetically emailed the city, quoting, This is not an ask for a sweep, unquote. Both encampments pose serious safety threats. The one of Meany Middle School has grown to over 40 tents as, a, as of Sunday morning for students returning to school as part of Governor Jay Inslee's school reopening order. The matter is urgent. Some students have already returned to campus. Yeah, and that video is just incredible. They have, I don't know who shot the video, but um, it just pretty much walks around the whole perimeter of the school. And there's just tents everywhere. There's trash. Just It's just a hot mess. I don't even see where the kids even actually get to walk onto the school grounds. It's like it's surrounded. And not only is it on the outside of the chain link fence, it's on the inside of the chain link fence. It's on the property. And these kids have to, what, dodge needles and feces and tents and God knows what else. It's just, it's crazy. You have to see it. The two encampments at the center of security concerns have earned media attention for being housed on school property. While encampments have been seldom cleared by the city of Seattle during the pandemic, the mayor's office had grown increasingly concerned with the deteriorating situation near both schools ahead of their reopening. Inslee ordered schools at least partially reopened with hybrid in-person learning for grades K through 6 by April 5th. In mid-March, a librarian and parent with the Seattle Public School District grew alarmed at the growing encampment at Miller Park on Capitol Hill, steps from the Meany Middle School campus, but the tents did not stay at the park. They now line the entrance to the school's gym. You know, I think this is the location that's kind of near where that Chaz Chop thing was you know that encampment homeless encampment or social justice warrior blm antifa compound was somewhere near there i don't know being a parent of a middle schooler and an employee who regularly walks by this to enter meany i am concerned for student safety the staffer wrote to the school board on march 18th middle school students coming from the south will walk through the encampment to get to school if it if it is there when school starts can the district provide extra adult supervision before, during, and after school to ensure student safety? You know, forget that idea. All those people got to go. They just got to be picked up and, and go, go somewhere else. I mean, come on. Empathy is not keeping the taxpayers safe, you know what I'm saying? DeWolf forwarded the email to Mayor Jenny Durkin, Deputy Mayor Casey Sixkiller. That's a hell of a last name, Sixkiller? And Seattle City Council members Teresa Mosqueda, I hope I didn't butcher that, but I did, Lorena Gonzalez, and Andrew Lewis, he asked for help but expressed no interest in a sweep. I mean, what the hell is going on? It's like Wednesday is the clown show day? I mean, Jesus, what the hell is going on in Seattle? Allow that to happen. Concurrently in North Seattle, a group of neighbors around Broadview, Thompson, K-8 through amplified similar concerns with the worsening homeless crisis. They wrote a memo to Seattle Public Schools Superintendent Denise Juno. In it, the group warned that the encampment poses a threat to the safety of the students and staff. They said they informed SPS nine months later and were promised something would be done, but nothing happened. Instead, the encampment on the school property grew. They noted the increase of crime in the area as a result, provided extensive photo evidence of their concerns, and demanded a formal meeting to discuss their issues. Amazing. They're just ignoring the parents in, in the community. 
It's as if they're literally controlling and holding the school system hostage. After days of conversations, the city expressed interest in sweeping the encampments, but members of the school board got in the way. Board President Hampson published a joint statement on Facebook with DeWolf on March 28th to decry sweeping the encampments from school property. The statement claimed sweeps are decidedly inhumane and irresponsibly set people struggling with homelessness further into the margins. What about the kids that have to go to school? I mean, that's the priority, right? We demand sweeps never, and in capital letters it says never, N-E-V-E-R, big letters, be performed on school grounds adjacent or elsewhere in the city, they wrote. Deputy Mayor Sixkiller, (laughs) that name, man, Sixkiller, responded in a sternly worded email to Board President Hampson explaining he was surprised to learn of your concerns for the city's plan to remove the encampments. In March 29th, email Six Killer said the city shares her desire to help the homeless, noting that campers have all been offered shelter during sweeps, but he warned of waiting too much longer to address the issue. It's funny how they call them campers. Campers, like, like, like they're over in Yosemite camping out. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just trash. Needles, probably crack pipes, meth pipes, you name it. It's all over there. You can probably get your shit over there. Camps. Jesus Christ. Camping, huh? Oh, okay. Well, I'll pass on that location to camp. Six Killer said the city would continue its dialogue with the board. After two days passed, Hampson followed up with an email response to Six Killer to clarify the board's position on the two encampments. The focus was on Meany due to its direct encroachment on campus. Hampson wanted assistance to clear passages for students, she wrote, on March 31st. In part, uh, quoting, At Meany, we are asking the city's support in confirming the property boundaries between SPS and city property at Meany so that SPS can place appropriate signs with respect to the permitted uses of its property. We are also asking for the city's support in helping clear access to the school and safe and unhealthy routes to and from the school. Specific concerns include tents and other belongings against the wall of the gym and near the walking path on the south end of the school, including a sleeping bag across the door to the gym, the porta potty on 21st Avenue, immediately adjacent to the school, with discarded clothing and unsanitary conditions around it, and tents at the bottom of the stairs from the Parks and Rec parking lot down to Miller Playfield, a likely path to school for students coming down the 19th Avenue, where needles were visible. My God, sounds like San Francisco. Damn near Twin Cities. If Hampson opposes sweeps, it's not clear how these asks could be met. Neither Hampson nor DeWolf responded to multiple emails requesting comment. Some parents are keeping kids home from school because of this crisis. I don't blame them. Hampson and DeWolf are using their positions on the school board to influence policy well beyond their expertise of responsibilities. They don't think an encampment should ever be cleared. Too bad. It's not their call. The city should move on this even if these two radical activists oppose it. There is shelter space available. And that's the problem here. You know, a lot of these people don't want to go into shelters. Shelters have rules and regulations and and curfews and, and stuff like that. 
I had even heard in San Francisco they tried to reopen a shelter, and they were just going to let people come in and out of there 24 hours and bring their weed and drugs and booze and all kinds of shit in there and just let them have a free-for-all just as long as they were off the streets and out of the public eye, you know. It, it was totally a bad idea. In just one visit to Mini Middle School on Sunday, a homeless man was muttering to himself while walking around with a metal pole. Do we want to see if he'll turn violent with another child? We want to see if he'll turn violent with another child? So many tents that I lost count of after 40. No one knows who's in these tents. All we know is that they have repeatedly turned down offers of service, according to multiple reports, and they've completely trashed the park. Kids have suffered enough through this pandemic. They're finally able to return to school and see their friends. They shouldn't have to dodge tents, trash, and sketchy characters as part of their city. Hampson and DeWolf's stubborn, radical ideology may get kids hurt, but they seem to care more about keeping homeless in tents where they will never get help than bringing them indoors and protecting the kids. How ghoulish. Yeah, guys, that's just totally insane. I I can't believe that. That (laughs) unions or the teachers would have no problem having their students live. You got to see the pictures. It's just incredible. The video is incredible. I, I I should really do a video of this on, and put it on Rumble. It's just incredible that they are just allowing this to happen in Seattle. What I mean, come on. Where are the people? Where where is every where's the outrage? I know there's people out there outraged, but I mean, we should really be hearing from the community at large, not just in this particular around this particular school, but I mean all around the city and the surrounding cities and towns and communities. It's just outrageous to allow these people have that much control over your children and your livelihoods that they're willing to just sit there and turn your children's school into a homeless encampment. That's just insane. These people should be fired. In fact, that whole city needs to be overhauled. That mayor should be impeached or fired or however they do it. She's got to go. Everybody's got to go. In fact, not only Seattle, but Portland, San Francisco, Oakland, L.A. I could just go New York. All of them. All of you. Y'all need to be fired. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Damn, Daniel. I don't give a fuck.